I was married for 20 years to a man who brought a dark secret into our marriage. And then, and then when I when I found out about it and I wanted to get help, I felt like people didn't want to hear it and didn't know how to how to how to help us. So we're just all left bleeding. Like this is the truth. If I'm going to stay in this marriage, I'll never be loved. Welcome to the Phoenix Effect podcast with Elle, Kristen, and Dennis. We are three narrative-trained therapists, and we will be interviewing storytellers from all walks of life. Listen in as we hear the stories behind the stories of what people do to find belonging, purpose, and success. Stay tuned until the end to find out how to become a part of the show and to hear an important disclaimer about the difference between this podcast and what we do as therapists. Hey, this is Elle. Today, we are hearing from a storyteller named Julie. Listen in as Julie tells the story of her search for connection. Hi, Julie. Hi. Uh, Welcome. We also have Kristen here. Hello. Uh, Julie, if you don't mind sharing, uh, where are you in the world and what do you like to do with yourself at that part of the world? Um, Yeah, so I live in Springfield, Missouri, and... um, I am transitioning from being mostly a stay-at-home mom to um, going back to work full-time as a special ed para and then going back to school to become a special ed teacher. I have two boys that are both in college and um, I recently moved about two years ago, went through a big change of my life. And so now I, I have a house and so I take care of that and for fun, I love to go to theater and camping, and I live in the Ozarks, so there's lots of beauty around here to take walks and things like that. I have a lot of friends um, and acquaintances, and I used to do improv theater, so that's a lot of fun. And, and I'm in a choir, so a lot of arts, artistic stuff I love to do. Do you mind sharing um, what kind of prompted you to want to be on the podcast and what that story is that you feel is something to share? So my story is um, a little disturbing and I wish it wasn't my story and I might cry here and there, but I'm really comfortable with that if if everybody else is. I was married for 20 years to a man who brought a dark secret into our marriage. And so 19 years into my marriage, I discovered that um, he had a pornography addiction And when I first discovered that, I felt really oddly a sense of relief because I knew there was something wrong, but I didn't know what it was. And when I found that, I thought, oh, this is what it is. And um, I brought it to his attention. And at first he pretended like it was just a mistake. It wasn't real. And um, anyway, that began a, a whole new journey for me. And, um, sadly at some point during that journey, my, um, my husband decided he couldn't go any further and he left. And so, um, that, and that was really devastating and I did not see that coming. And so he, um, he left and like I tell my kids and our friends, like, I can't really judge his heart for why he did that. Um, I know there's a lot of that goes on in a person's life that leads them to such an addiction. And 
you know, maybe he just couldn't deal with it. But no matter how, what his story is, um, he left and that was devastating to me. And so that's how I began a new life and continued on a life of hope. And I feel like it's so important because it is everywhere in our culture, in our church, in, in our lives. And we don't really talk about it. There's hope for people who struggle with addiction. There's hope for people that are impacted by that, that pain. Um, and so I'm, I'm trying to learn the words and the language and communicate that story to other people because I feel like it is important. Absolutely. I am so glad that you wanted to come on and share and talk about those hard things. I think you are so right. It's like this secret problem and most mm -hmm. problems in a marriage are kept a secret. And um, I'm sure so many people can relate to the story that you're sharing of the surprise and then the, the, the thinking that you're working through something and all of a sudden the choice is taken from you and yeah. the path you were on now looks totally different because of somebody else's choices and trying yeah. to figure that out now. Yes. It's, um, it's just, it's been really a learning process. I think that's how I began the journey. So after I made the discovery and in, in the, the community that I'm in, the they might call it like betrayal trauma that you're dealing with and things like that. They even call it D-Day for Discovery Day, the day you find out about the sexual acting out or that there's a confession. And that's that's that marks time. It's there's a before and after. Betrayal is painful and and we can be it can be defined. It can define our timeline. And um, and that's what happened to me, that betrayal, that that thinking that I was married to a particular person and then finding out that. I there was a lot of deception going on and then and then when I when I found out about it and I wanted to get help, I felt like people didn't want to hear it and didn't know how to how to how to help us. And um, that's unfortunate. And and. So we're just all left bleeding. And, but there is hope and there is heal. There's a, there's a, a way to process through these things. Um, but it, it's, it takes courage and, and honesty and that's hard. It is really hard. I have so many questions. Um, but Kristen, mm -hmm. I wanted to give you like a moment if you wanted to go any particular way. Yeah. Well, I think what's just sticking with me, I'm curious, you know, you're talking about this D day and I'm, I'm curious if you want to bring us into that day, um, and what that was like for you to kind of discover this dark secret. Yeah. So, um, I was actually at an Allender center, um, workshop on online. It was during, it was during the beginning of COVID in April, 2020, I was, I was, um, I took my picture cause I didn't want my camera to be on all the time when I was on zoom and I was trying to find it. And I opened up a file on the computer and it was filled with images and videos that had been taken off the internet and put into a file. And I knew I, di I didn't want to see those images, but I saw one and I thought I, this is what is going on. This is, this is what is a key to the problem in our marriage and in my well-being is that my husband 
has been watching pornography and I just knew it. And, um, I felt a sense of relief, which I think sounds odd, but it, it was like, if physically you have a lot of symptoms and you keep going to doctors and you're like, I don't know what's wrong. I, I, I can't sleep or I keep bleeding or I have this headache and they run a bunch of tests and nothing works. And then finally get the diagnosis. Like the diagnosis can be horrifying. Like you have cancer, but it's also a relief. Like I knew something was wrong. Now I know what it is. And now I can move forward to see how, if I can survive it. And that's how I felt at that moment. Um, initially after I brought it up to my husband and then he admitted it, then other emotions came up. Then I was angry and crying and like I was going to faint and lost my bearings. Um, but initially there was a sense of relief and, um, and, uh, I thought to myself, I'm not crazy. And this is not about me. There's something else going on. And so it was, it, that was kind of a weird discovery. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of that story. Yeah. Um, if we go back to that moment where you mm -hmm. saw it and it was, it was painful and yet it sounds like a part of your body felt like maybe a loosening or relief that you figured something out that had been invisible and confusing. Um, can you tell me more about what your body had been telling you, like how you knew there was something? Yeah. Um, I knew that I was in my marriage previous to discovering, I knew there was something wrong. I would kind of say I felt like a pet and not a person in my marriage. Like I would bring my opinion to the conversation and my husband would dismiss it and he would kind of pull rank as if he was the spiritual, like he said, well, God spoke to me and, and I'm doing this. And I said, but God speaks to me too. And he just ignored me and I was miserable. And I thought if he could just hear me, if he just paid attention to me, if he would just, if I could communicate in such a way that he could hear me, then he would understand and then we could be partners and I'm a person and I, I hear from God too. And I have, you know, desires too. So I felt like he was, I felt like there was terrible communication in our marriage and he was gone all the time and busy all the time. So there was, I was very lonely and I was depressed and I didn't know why I was unhappy and why I was struggling. So I went to some counselors on my own and I'm like, here, I, I have a great husband. So I thought he was great, you know, he, he, and, and, um, and great kids and I'm, I'm alive and well, but something's wrong. I'm unhappy and I'm lonely and I'm depressed and I feel like I'm shutting down and turning into a zombie. And I don't know why. And when I made the discovery of, of that addiction and the pornography, the I just thought, this is why, you know, I've been dealing with a person who has deceived me. He's been lying to me all these years and gaslighting me because I would bring these conversations up to my husband. I would say like, you know, I don't feel that we're connecting well. How do you feel? And um, like, maybe we could work on something. And um, so I, I was aware that there was a problem and I was trying to fix it, but I didn't have all the information. So I was banging my head against the wall. And when I found that, when I made that discovery, it just gave me such 
a sense of like exhale. I was right to feel something was going on. I just didn't know what it was. It sounds like you had felt very disconnected for a long yes. time. Yeah. So in that moment, when you're ready for this exciting weekend with the Allender Center, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I can imagine the anticipation and kind of like the um, excitement of that. And, you know, here you are just going along your business and taking this photo of yourself. And yeah. then you just open this folder on a shared computer. Yes, it was my husband's computer, but he said I could borrow it for the the Zoom meeting. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it seems like that was a pretty easy find. Yeah, it was um you know, it's interesting because again, like I am a religious person and I want to talk about God but not on behalf of God. So, um this might, yeah, I honestly just felt like something moved my hand. Like I had no idea why I clicked on that folder. It wasn't, it was just a work folder. Like I was just looking for my picture. Why would I even do that? So I honestly felt like it was supernatural that I, that I found that. And I had been praying a lot about my marriage and about what am I going to do and and how do I work this out? And And I feel like that was part of the answer was this and I, you know, I could have just ignored it. I could have deleted it. I could have known like, okay, this is what's going on. And now I know, and he'll pay, or now I know, and I'm going to pretend like I don't know, or, um, now I know, and it's disgusting, but what can I do about it? But instead, when I found it, I thought, okay, this is a problem. This is strangling our marriage and our family and my husband. And now I thought, now we have, now we can move forward and get help and, and get well. And and I thought now we could have a good marriage. That's kind of, I felt very hopeful in that moment. So as you open this folder and you see these photos, the, your, your immediate response is hope. My immediate response was relief. And like, I'm not crazy. And then after that, I thought like, okay, now we know what's going on. Now let's, let's deal with it, I guess, first. And then, and, and yeah, I guess I did feel that like kind of undergirding of hope. Yeah. Right. Like, now and I still you- feel that way, even though the story did not end well and, and it wasn't, and it's not a story that I hear very often, um, but it, I still believe that there's hope. I agree. Um, I also agree. It was really courageous that once you had something concrete to point to the source of why it's been so hard for you to connect with this man and taking it and confronting him, that took a lot because it sounds like up to that point, you had been kind of submissive in the marriage, following what you called him as like a spiritual leader And so for you to confront him as an equal took quite a bit of courage. And I guess I would like to know more about what that was like for you to believe, okay, I'm finally going to be able to find connection with this man because he has something he can own and we can work together. 
and to just kind of hit up against a lot of roadblocks again and again? Well, that's that's such a good question. Um, the first roadblock, well, first I started to get educated. Like I listened to podcasts, um, read some books. Like I'm like, what is this that we're going to Because one of the first things that my, at the time, my husband said to me was like, you know, because he confessed, like, yes, I've had a porn addiction since I was 12 and you probably want to divorce me now. And I said, no, I don't want to divorce you. I, I want to, I, your problem is my problem and my problem is your problem and we can get through this together. But that was, that's a really telling sign. I think, I think he really didn't want to be married and didn't want to give up pornography or couldn't give it up at the moment at that time. Um, I'm just thinking about kind of the arc of our story so far of our time together. And, um, you know, you started off kind of sharing how this is still a really difficult story for you and that there might be tears. And we talked a little bit about your experience um, pre-D-Day of being really disembodied and kind of struggling with um, that whole that whole area. And I'm just so struck because as you're sharing all of this, I, in my body, feel anger, frustration, shock, fear. And I'm looking at your face and you have such a beautiful smile on. Um, and I'm a little confused about that. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's because I have really metabolized the story. And so um, it feels like I have dealt with that anger. And then there was just this huge acceptance. Like, I, I mean, when we started counseling, we found finally a counselor that was able to help us and we began a journey and then um, mid journey, just without any warning, my husband just left. He's like, I'm not going to go to counseling anymore. And I said, what do you mean? You know, a marriage can't survive a, a an active porn addiction. And he's like, yeah, I know. And now I'm rebuilding my life and there's, that's where I'm at now. So I can tell the story now from a place of strength and a place of, of healing. So, yeah, it's so beautiful that you've had the chance to seek healing and you sounds like you've had a lot of support in that journey. Um, and that's amazing. I'm so glad that you've had those resources available to you, um, for help and support and that you feel a sense of strength and resilience now. Um, and I'm still curious too about like the rewriting of a story. Um, and I guess I'm thinking, I'm, I don't know the answer to this. I'm, I'm thinking out loud. I'm kind of thinking about this for the first time, but um, when I think about my stories that I've found healing in, when I tell them, I still know the, the grief is still in the story, even though the pain is not there so much, right? The pain isn't so loud. Um, but the story doesn't change as far as like, oh, the story is now good. It's still a harmful story. I don't know if that's making sense, but I'm just curious kind of where that lands with you. It's, it's I mean, it was... That was my heart. That was really my desire to be married and to be a mom. And so when that ended, it was, it's devastating and heartbreaking, but, um, it's, it was never really there. Like, this is the truth. If I'm going to stay in this marriage, I'll never be loved. 
Yeah. Um, if you don't mind me saying so, I think that I love that you are really using your voice because you know inside of your body what will and will not work for you. But I can't help but wonder, like, to get to that point must yes. have been such a journey. And so I'm kind of curious about the much younger Julie, if you don't mind my asking about her, like what kind of was happening up until the point where you were married to this man that had you so hungry for connection, even if it didn't feel quite right, you would take that over nothing, right? Like I'm, what I'm hearing is a story of someone who is so desiring of connection. She put up with a lot for a really long time. And then it took something huge for her to find her voice. And I'm so glad she did. Um, mm -hmm. how, how would that feel to you for us just to explore for a few minutes mm -hmm. how you got from young Julie to marry to a man who wasn't able to love you and connect with you the way you needed? That's a great question. This must have been going on for a long time that you learned to suppress what you know. No, we tried to make that connection also in counseling. And I just, I haven't ever felt that way before. And that lack of connection, is that something that was new for you to not feel emotionally connected to the people around you? Some, uh, there were some people I, I didn't feel connected to. And there are some people I did feel connected to. Who did you feel connected to? I felt, felt connected to my mom. And, um, I have three, three sisters and I felt connected to one of them, but she died. Oh, wow. That's hard. You didn't mention your dad. No, I didn't feel a connection to my dad. What was that like with him? Well, my biological dad and my mom got divorced when I was a little girl. And then, um, much like my ex-husband, he just left. I mean, he didn't like keep in touch with us. And so, um, and then my stepdad and my mom got married when I was seven or so. And, um, I just never got too acquainted with him until they retired and I had kids. So Julie, you have had such a journey to be where you are today. I don't know if it would ever be helpful for you to explore um, what connection was like for you growing up with all the different people and the lack of connection with other people. I would just throw that out there. I would be so curious to follow up one day to, to know what you find with that. Yeah. Um, but maybe you could tell us like how you're finding connection today. What feels right and good about the connections in your life? So that's why I decided to go back to that job for more. I think it's a better job for me, more connection with people, um, students and, and teachers. Um, I connect through um, ladies at my, I have a Bible study I go to that I connect with some ladies there and then um, some good friends and my sons. It's not easy to find those. And so I just want to commend you for continuing to find what feels right and good to you. Thanks. 
thanks so much for coming and sharing. And it's, it's so vulnerable to be speaking to an unknown audience um, and to two people that you've never met before. So just wanted to say thanks for um, taking the risk and we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for sharing, Julie. Dennis, um, what's your take on what Julie shared with us? Well, I re-listened, you know, I re-listened to the engagement um, with the two of you. I, I wasn't able to make that one. And um, there was so much in that story. I mean, so much stuff I was kind of identifying with or resonating with and just things that I was even like noticing. Um, particularly like the second time through listening to her. And um, I don't know how this how this sounds, but it, it almost felt as though in the beginning, there, there was like a psychoeducation session on betrayal trauma. And it became super apparent that she spent a lot of time doing a lot of work on what she experienced through the betrayal of her husband. And I felt like when Kristen noted that, hey, you started off this podcast sharing that this might be really hard for you and that you might um, show some tears and emotion. And yet, you know, as Kristen noted, you know, Julie, Julie, there was kind of a smile on her face in the podcast as she's going through and explaining this experience. So just striking like how hard it is to really get into the moment of that experience. I, in that, Kristen did give an invitation. Hey, what was that? Can you go back to that day when you discovered all of this on the computer? And can you bring us back into there? And I felt like she was really trying hard. It was just so hard to get into that moment. Yeah, I loved Kristen's invitation right into that moment. I thought that was absolutely the right move. Um, Kristen, what did you make of the engagement? Oh man. Yeah. Just thinking about how, I mean, it is so hard to get into the story, you know, especially when you've, you have done a lot of work to get out of the story. That's, you know, that's why people go to therapy, right? Because they're in their story and they want to get the heck out of there because it is painful it's hard. It's, you know, it's all consuming. And so it makes a lot of sense why people struggle to stay in the story because there is pain there mm -hmm. and what a human experience, um, to, to have that of really struggling. And I can relate to that. I know it's hard to stay in my own stories. And especially once you start kind of digging in there and realizing like, even after doing so much work, there's still so much more work to do. And isn't that also true for all of us? You know, like the work doesn't end. Like they're so, our stories are so interconnected and interwoven and yeah, there's just, um, I don't know. It can feel overwhelming sometimes when you like really sit and think about it or when you're sit, really sitting and feeling through it. And, um, it is helpful to know that like there is, there is relief at the end of the story engagement. Hey, Kristen. Yeah. Let me ask you, cause you're using that word relief. And I noticed that that was the exact word that she used when she described having discovered this. 
Hmm. What what do you take? What's your take on that 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 feeling of like relief and then hope in in that moment? Yeah, hope is a, a word that I I war with a lot. Um, hope feels like a very dangerous word for me, um, and I I feel like it's I have I have maybe a different take on that word um, than some other people, which is great. Um, relief. That's a really good question, Dennis. Um, I, I kind of understand like the connections that you were making and I don't know if this makes sense, but for me, it felt like when you engage my story in episode one, you were able to make connections with both what was happening for me way before that story started and what's still happening today. And it was a surprise for me, but it's also, it's a relief to have to know now because now I can do something with that if I want to. Right. Like that was a fun surprise for me. Like, thanks, Kristen. Now I've got a lot of material for the foreseeable future to work on. Right. Um, and, and I felt like that was a gift. And there, I guess there is a little relief that once you just know something, you have a choice if you're going to do something about it. Yeah. Well said, like the, the power of being able to name something, right? Like when, when you have a feeling something's wrong, something's up something, but you can't like put your finger on it and you're kind of going through this process of like, what is it? Is it this? Is it that? Like trying to make connections, but nothing really seems to fit. And it's like that, that feeling when you're, you know, doing a puzzle and you put in the last piece and you can finally see the whole picture and you're like, Oh, like, that's what it looks like. Like I've been looking for that piece. I've been looking for that thing that I can just fit in there. And I think that's the the relief of not I mean, the information is not always a relief, but the ability to make the connections that you've been wanting and needing to make, that's that's the relief, the naming of it. Thanks for helping with that, Elle. And that's where we end today. We are so glad you joined us. We want to invite you to get involved in the show. First, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. That way, you don't miss out on a future episode. Second, if you'd like to learn more about joining us and sharing your story, send us an email at phoenixeffectpodcast at gmail.com. That's phoenixeffectpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. This podcast and website represents the opinions of Elizabeth Key, Kristen Boskell-John, and Dennis Roberts, and their guests to the show and website. The content here should not be taken as medical or psychological advice. This content is for informational purposes only, and because each person is so unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast and website are our own, and do not represent that of our places of work. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or correction of errors. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with our content establish a therapist-client relationship.